Well, hello, my friend. It is so good to be back with you. Today, I want to talk about self-forgiveness. It has been one heck of a journey, and I want to share some steps for you that may guide you in forgiving yourself if there's something you regret or have remorse over, or maybe something you didn't do or you did do, because I had to really forgive myself. And I'd like to talk about some steps that I took to do that. So listen in. Hi, I'm Brenda Reese, freedom and forgiveness coach and a person just like you that is learning to navigate life and all of its challenges. I teach a forgiveness process like no other. It's a blend of practical and spiritual forgiveness. This process guides you into knowing how unforgiveness can be keeping you stuck in your relationships, both personally and professionally, and how it prevents you from releasing resentment and finding joy. Each week, I share practical and some not-so-practical tips, tools, and advice from myself and other people that are on this journey just like us. This is for you if you are ready to turn your pain into peace. Welcome to the Forgive Yourself Podcast. Hello, my friend. I am so grateful to be here with you today. And I wanted to share a bit about what's been going on and how I've had to do a really deep self-forgiveness process. As you've heard in several episodes about the medical condition of dementia that my husband is going through. And it has been quite the journey. So this journey has really been intense this last three years, especially this last year. And in 2023, he really declined physically and mentally. And I finally was able to ask for help and I got some caregivers to help out and I was able to get a get a breath, right? As I've talked a little bit about before. Yet I was the caregiver 24-7. And that did take a toll. Because with the vascular dementia that he has, it goes up and down. So it's different than Alzheimer's. And it can be this, he's almost okay one minute and then not okay the next. And the difference is with his vascular dementia, he also has Parkinsonian syndrome. So that affects his walking. So it's a lot of day-to-day, moment-to-moment, taking care of myself and him. And it was crazy-making, as those of you that are caregivers understand. And what I learned this last year is that those people that have not experienced something like this, it's hard for them to understand. So one of the things that I've learned is that we can share with others about what our experience is, yet to get compassion, we really do need to talk with those people that have had this experience too. Not that other people cannot express empathy or compassion. Yet there is a deep, deep process that we go through when we are facing the dementia or maybe a deep emotional experience 
someone in our family or ourselves when we have had or are going through a cancer experience or any other kind of dis-ease in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits. And so what I've had to go through is a very deep self-forgiveness process. And I want to share with you some steps today about that because this has culminated in me making a really hard decision. And it took a while to get there. And I had to work through the shame and the guilt. I had to work through people not understanding why I was making this decision and trying to help people understand that really didn't want to understand or they wanted to feel and think their own way instead of trying to understand my side of things and where I came from. I'll go into more of the story. But right now, what I want to do is for those of us that are curious about self-forgiveness, let's dive into this. Because forgiving yourself is a powerful act of self-compassion. And it can be very transformative for your emotional well-being. So let's talk about some steps right now that can guide you through, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the decision that I had to make and how I came about doing that. So the first thing that we want to do is create awareness. And some of us are get irritated over this awareness word, but you know what? You can't change what you don't know is there. So we really do need to recognize and acknowledge what is going on. So we need to recognize and acknowledge and be willing to see the truth of the situation. So taking an honest look at the situation that you need to forgive yourself for, and it can be for someone else too, but I'm going to talk self-forgiveness here. We want to acknowledge the action that we feel guilty or regretful about, or maybe we're calling it a mistake. Maybe we made a mistake and we do need to acknowledge that. It's essential to face the truth and not to avoid what we've done or didn't do, right? Or this mistake that we feel that we've made. And definitely not suppress our feelings because this is what can happen. When we're going through a really tough situation or something that triggers us, it can put us into survival. And we don't necessarily recognize it. That's where awareness is key. And that's where our feelings are information. So we can recognize that maybe I'm feeling angry or guilt, or I'm feeling shame, or I'm feeling left out, or I'm feeling numb. And that was mine. I was being triggered by this whole situation. And it put me into grief. It put me into survival. And even though I was aware of it, and I was doing some things to help me through it, sometimes our bodies just need to be recognized, right? We need to be able to feel them. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, another step that we want to really take a look at is understanding the impact. So we can reflect on how our actions have affected ourselves and affected others. So recognize the emotions involved and any consequences of our behavior, because when we can accept the impact, it helps us to take responsibility for our actions. And if you've been with me for a while, you know that awareness and responsibility are huge steps in the forgiveness work. 
right? We cannot change. We can't change any outcomes. We can't take the steps that we want to take unless we're willing to take responsibility for the impact of what we've done to ourselves or others. And for me, understanding this impact was a challenge because of the fact that I got to own the fact that I was angry. I was angry around this situation with my husband because my my dreams were stolen from me is how I felt. My life had changed so drastically that we no longer had a relationship. And it was, you know, I mean, we just celebrated 10 years together, married 13 years together, and that's not a long time. And so I really dove deep this year into understanding the grief and the anger and the sorrow that that brought up in my heart and in my gut. And then I got to understand the impact and recognize and acknowledge that I would lose it sometimes. And I got really, I got angry and I didn't ever get angry at him directly, but man, was I angry. And, you know, we, we're energetic beings. We can feel that. And that's not something that I was proud of, yet it's something that is real. And I want all of us to understand that out there that, you know, we can't be all compassionate and empathetic all the time. We're human. And we have our own triggers and our own feelings. And the more we can acknowledge them and recognize them, and then make amends around it, if it's needed, then that is what part of this healing process is about. So the second one was understand the impact of how our actions may affect others or ourselves. Now, the third thing I want to talk about is allow yourself to feel. So I've alluded to that, and you know me, I've talked about this in many other episodes. Give yourself permission to feel the emotions that come up in a safe way. Because sometimes when we have deep emotions like deep anger or guilt or shame or sadness, we need the help of someone else. We need the help of a good friend or we need the help of a therapist or a coach to be there with us to hold us. And that's what I I got to do this year. I got to visit with and bring back a therapist that had helped me so much years ago. Actually, it helped she helped both Doug and myself because we went to her when we first met for communication counseling. So she understood the situation and she had also understood it because she had gone through a situation with dementia, which was extremely helpful. So I gave myself permission to get help, which took a little while to get there. Even though I do all this work, it was a little challenging for me because I felt that I needed to do it myself, which is silly. And I allowed myself to feel, gave myself permission to feel these emotions, the guilt, the anger. Really, it was a lot of anger because underneath that anger was deep, deep sadness. And I was afraid to feel that. And it wasn't me as an adult self that was afraid to feel it. It was me as a younger self. So when we go through these experiences, I want to remind you that we're not, not necessarily is it just right now. We are feeling all the other sadness 
in our life. We're feeling the other grieving in our life. So anywhere that has not been integrated will come up to be integrated. So it's okay to experience these emotions. That's what we're here for. They're a part of our healing process. And we've talked about it in another episode to where, you know, ultimately the idea is to feel the feelings and let it move through within a minute or two. But we haven't learned to let those go, most of us. So giving ourselves permission, really valuable. Now, the fourth thing I want to talk about is practicing self-compassion. Be kind and understanding toward yourself. Remind yourself that everyone makes mistakes or feels regret. Everyone says something they don't want to say. And it's a natural part of being a human. So treat yourself with the same compassion that you would offer to a friend. And I I know I've said this before, and it, it is worth being repeated because we treat ourselves like shit. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we say bad things, or we call ourselves stupid and we say a lot more than that, vicious. And I know I caught myself a lot beating myself up over not being more compassionate. I beat myself up over not being more loving and caring. I beat myself up over being angry when really what I needed was compassion. And I could eventually get there but I had to catch myself a lot because this hurt. This was a deep, deep hurt. It was a deep abandonment and it was a deep rejection. That's how I felt. That's what was coming up for me. That's the story that I was eventually able to heal, which came from my childhood, right? But we have these energetic patterns that are reflected in our lives. So I got to practice that self-compassion And that is something that takes a little time. It also helps to have someone help you get there, help you remember that you're worth loving, that you're worth being compassionate over and with. So really reach out because we can't do it alone. It's kind of like we can't fix a broken brain with a broken brain, right? And so I really encourage the self-compassion. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, the fifth thing I want to talk about is Consider what we have learned from this mistake. So this is like a reflection. So this is important. So after we kind of come out of the situation, so when I could get through my anger and through feeling sorry for myself, because sometimes I did that, I could reflect on how I could do it differently, how I could grow and how I could avoid these similar situations in the future if I could avoid those. Do I need more help in it? Am I able to come to an understanding myself? Because as we all know, everything we go through is for a reason, whether we want to believe that or not. There is something there, and these are opportunities for personal growth. And that's what I learned this year. I grew so much that it was amazing the depth of where I went. And so learning from our experiences, being able to journal about this, being able to reflect on it, maybe getting somebody else's reflection on it can help you see the pattern or the belief so that we can grow into it and we can have a do-over. We can avoid these situations in the future. Now, the sixth thing I want to talk about is releasing judgment 
So to be able to learn from our experience, we got to let go. We got to let go of this self-judgment and self-blame. Holding on to these feelings can prevent us from moving forward and finding peace within ourselves. And so I got to come to a place of where I needed to do mirror work. I needed to look at myself in the eyes and say, Brenda, you are a loving, kind, compassionate being. So we get to not judge ourselves or blame ourselves. We get to forgive ourselves for what we said in anger or what I'm saying to myself in anger. Brenda, you are a loving, compassionate, caring being. Right now, you are just going through a really tough situation and it's okay. When I could kind of detox, right? Do this judgment detox and start replacing these judgmental words and blaming myself with some other things and some compassion. It really helped me to detox myself from the judgment. It doesn't mean I'm perfect at it because I catch myself still. And I'll tell you why in, in a little bit. Yet, usually the judgment that we have against ourselves isn't from ourselves per se. It comes from someone else. It comes from, again, what we've learned about ourselves or what we've been told about ourselves or what society is saying, how we should act. So I learned that I really was judging myself based on what other people were saying about me or saying what I should be doing and should not be doing in caring for my husband. That's where my judgment was coming from. If I left it to my own devices, I was doing the best that I could. And so I wouldn't be judging myself for it, but I was judging myself based on other people's thoughts and opinions. That's a really big lesson for me to learn uh, that I learned was, wow, it doesn't really matter what other people are thinking. I really got to learn to trust myself. Now, the seventh thing that I want to talk about is writing a forgiveness letter. Okay, so you know I'm all about forgiveness. And writing these letters are powerful. So in my forgiveness work that I help other people with, we have a three-letter process in the radical forgiveness process. You can also do this not only just for others, but you can do this for yourself. So a lot of people have heard where you write a letter to yourself expressing you know, the regret or the remorse and, and where you are understanding the impact and, and your willingness to forgive yourself. This is good. But the process that I teach is where you break it up. So when you're writing a forgiveness letter, the first letter is all about beating yourself up. I know this is weird, right? But this is where I get to get it all out of my body. Because again, our body keeps a score. So we're holding on to all of this energy, this stuck energy you've heard me talk about before. And so to be able to release that from the body, I need to get it out. And our voice is powerful. So when you write a letter to yourself, write the letter, but beat yourself up. Let your judging self have at it. Because what you're going to do second after a day or two, is you're going to then write a letter with some understanding. 
you're going to say, you know, I understand, Brenda, why, why you reacted that way. I mean, look at the childhood. Look at how you were slapped and you were beat for speaking your truth. How you went through sexual abuse and you couldn't tell anyone. So I got to write to myself the understanding of why it was so hard for me to speak up, why I figured out that I had to do it by myself because no one had been there in childhood. So this was all coming up because it was an energetic pattern for me. In this second letter that I wrote to myself was where I brought in some compassionate language. I brought in understanding and compassionate language. And then I wrote a third letter because it's a three-letter process. And this is where I looked at it from a different perspective. I looked at it more from remembering I'm a human being and that I'm deserving of forgiveness, that I can forgive myself, that with letting my judging self have its, have its way in that first letter to bringing in the compassion of understanding how I grew up and all the things that I've gone through in my adult life to where now I can go, okay, now we're going to learn from this. This is a growth opportunity. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to forgive ourselves. And I'm going to allow myself to feel, to breathe, and to feel the love that I know that I am. So this is a powerful three-step or three-letter process. Now, number eight is practicing self-forgiveness meditation. So... There is this um, loving kindness meditation that I that I really like. There's also the Hopa Opa Ono prayer. So when we engage in a forgiveness meditation where you can focus on sending forgiveness and love to yourself, you can practice cultivating this forgiveness and acceptance. I want to take a moment and I want to give you a background of the loving kindness meditation because I have found this to be powerful. Now, Sharon Salzberg is the creator, the author of this loving kindness meditation. And she says it's about cultivating love as a strength, a muscle, a tool that challenges our tendency to see people and ourselves as disconnected, statically, and rigidly isolated from one another and ourselves. We can be separated from ourselves. I was. Loving kindness is about opening ourselves up to others with compassion and equanimity and ourselves, which can be challenging requiring us to push back against our assumptions, our prejudices, and labels that most of us have internalized. So when we do this meditation on our own, we want to spend some time. I'm going to give you some phrases, and you guys can also look this up. But traditionally, you hear phrases like, uh, may I be safe, or may I be happy, may I be healthy. So what you can do, I'm going to give you a list of them. You can use these, a few of these, or you can come up with your own to make it more personal. And you want to start with a small number, like about two or three to keep it simple and to be able to repeat them easily. So here are some suggestions. May I be happy? May I feel safe? May I be peaceful? May I be free of suffering? May I be well? May I be free from harm? May I live with ease. May I be free of pain. May I find deep joy. So out of those phrases, we want to pick a couple because what you want to do is kind of close your eyes, connect to your breath, 
And you can sit and you can imagine, if you can, a feeling of love. So bringing in kind of like what heart math does in their, in their breathing techniques is you think of a person, a situation, a place that, oh, you feel so good in. That makes you happy. Maybe it's a pet, right? A warm light, a favorite tree or, or a location like me being on the beach and in uh, Maui is a loving place for me. So you bring your attention inward and in your mind's eye, if you want to visualize or you can just feel it, you want to just really saturate yourself with this love. Okay. And then you're going to repeat your phrases silently to yourself, but no, not even silently. I would speak these out loud and you want to speak them out loud two to five times, depending upon how much time you have. Right. So let's pick, uh, may I be happy? May I be peaceful? And may I be well? And you want to keep repeating that and you don't rush through it. Speak them slowly and deliberately, and you say it with feeling. Closing your eyes, maybe putting your hand on your heart. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be well. And as other thoughts come in, because they will, just keep bringing your attention back to the words. And if you are finding it difficult to send this love to yourself, think of something that you've done some sort of kindness that you've done or somebody else has just really thanked you for it and bring that in. Remember, the smaller you keep it, the better. Okay. You can also picture an inner child. Think of yourself at a very young age where you're not upset at yourself and you can wish that child well. Okay. And then the way that the loving kindness meditation is created was for you, may I be peaceful. And then what you can do then is branch out. You can think of someone you're close to and you can send them love. May you be peaceful. May you be happy. May you be well. And then you can also branch out even further to someone you have negative feelings about. So you can bring that person into your mind's eye or just kind of feeling or have a picture of them. And this is like an ex or maybe parents or siblings or colleagues. This can be challenging. It's just as challenging as bringing the love in for yourself. So you want to start easy and you want to start more simple. But you can just sit and bring them in, kind of like in your mind's eye, picture them in front of you and say, may you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be well. And then you can picture them walking away, bringing your hands to your heart so that you can connect to yourself again. So that's a simple version, but it's powerful. The other thing that I do for myself is I say the Hopopona prayer. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And I do it with meaning. I hold my hands on my heart. I close my eyes. And I do the same thing, picturing a warm light or picturing myself in a safe space. And I repeat those phrases. I am so sorry. And you can even say what for. I'm so sorry 
for being so harsh to you, Brenda. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. It's amazing at how you feel. Now, the ninth thing I want to talk about is engaging in self-healing activities. And it's self-healing because no one can really heal us, right? We're really the only ones that can help to heal our hearts and heal ourselves. So we want to be able to participate in activities that help promote self-healing and emotional well-being for ourselves. So what is it that you are willing to do, such as journaling? This is also a self-healing activity is therapy, coaching, being able to talk it out and and work through, not just talk, because we want some action too. We're not going to just talk about our stories over and over again. When I work with clients, we are telling our story the same way for the last time, because we don't need to be stuck in that story. We want to be able to bring it up though, so that we can look at it differently, so we can see what is in this story. What is in these things that I talk about myself? Where does this come from? How far back can I remember this happening? The other things we can do is definitely spend time in nature, even if it's just in a backyard or a park, because that reconnects us to all that is. And the other thing is a lot of us, when we're in fight or flight or survival, like I have been in, I could not engage in hobbies. Right. When you're caregiving, it's hard to even do things for yourself. And that's harsh. (laughs) It is because there, there isn't a place when we're in survival mode, at least when I have been in survival mode, there's no joy. If I try to be creative, there was nothing. I got nothing. And it was hard to have the time to do that, but two, having the energy to do that. I, it, I couldn't, I didn't have it. And then I was so exhausted that when I did have some free time, I wanted to sleep. And I just wanted, I stared out a window because there was so much to process. So think about in your self-forgiveness journey, what did you used to like to do? What is it that you might want to do? And then take a baby step towards it. Now, number 10 is give yourself time. Forgiving yourself is a process, and it may take time, depending upon the severity of the situation and your emotional response and your stories and your triggers and your patterns and your beliefs. So be patient and gentle with yourself as you navigate this journey of self-forgiveness and self-acceptance. Because... We don't want to just passively allow time. You want to be proactive and active to the best of your ability because you want to also allow processing time. And number 11 is a big one, especially for us that have a few perfectionistic tendencies. We want to be able to accept imperfection. Embrace this fact that no one's perfect and mistakes are an inherent part of life, right? Accept that forgiving yourself is an ongoing process and it's okay to have these, what we're going to call setbacks along the way. But I don't really believe we have setbacks per se. 
I believe that we can come to plateaus in our process, but I know I don't think we're taking three steps back and one step forward. I believe that we are always on our journey. It just looks differently than maybe what we had anticipated. And that we are always moving forward, but we may come to a little processing point and into what I call the integration step of everything that we've learned. Remember that forgiving yourself is an act of self-love and growth. It allows you to move forward with a lighter heart, greater self-acceptance, and a deeper understanding of yourself. Now in mine, what I got to do was learn a deeper understanding of who I am. For self-forgiveness, we get to know ourselves better. And what I found was that, you know, I've done a lot of work. I've, I've been a forgiveness coach for a decade. And, you know, we, we come to these places where we think, yeah, I've done this. <laughs> I, I've handled that. I'm, sure, I've already gone through that. And then it feels like we get sideswiped. But we're never totally sideswiped. It just kind of feels like that. This year, I've learned some deep lessons on loving myself in a way that I've never done before. I have learned to accept my feelings as information. I have been able to care less what other people think of me and be able to go against the norm in some of the decisions that I needed to make to take care of myself. Because in all my research on dementia, I was reading these books and checking into these support groups and doing these things. And, and a lot of them talk about the care of the, the person with dementia. And even some of the caregiver books talked about, you know, be kind, be gentle to them, not about us, not about the caregiver themselves. And I found that to be frustrating. And also, causing some shame because I was upset. My life was turned upside down. I was grieving a deep loss of my best friend, of how we were going to travel, how we were even, even little conversations about how was your day started to be very robotic and very limited. There was no cuddling on the couch the same way because he was becoming a different person and not able to connect to his emotions because that's what dementia in this case was doing. It caused a disconnect. So there wasn't the understanding or the conversation or the things that I had had before in our relationship were gone. And this was hard. So yes, I was upset. And so, yes, I would get upset sometimes. And I had to allow myself to accept that I, I, I'm not doing this perfectly. I studied, I did all the research, yet I'm still human. And so I want you to give yourself grace too for whatever situation you're going through, whether it's a medical diagnosis, a divorce, a separation, a breakup, whether it's trying to handle a relationship issue with family or work, or maybe you feel that you have really done something wrong, 
or you're not reacting to life the way that you want it to. Bring in some compassion for yourself. Learn about yourself. Because that's love. But we weren't taught how to love ourselves. Because society tells us that we need to love our other people first. But we cannot do that. We can to a certain point. But we have to accept and love ourselves first. And it's not selfish in a bad way. It's selfish in a good way. Because we cannot pour from an empty cup. We want to pour from the overflow. And so I learned more about myself this year. And what I was able to do was come to this place over the last few months of working with the doctors as we had another decline happen. And that that was the crazy part was there would be a decline and then a plateau and a decline and a plateau. And finally, the doctors are saying, Brenda, it's a risk to stay at home. So we really need to talk about placement in memory care. And I got to work through the guilt. I got to work through what people were telling me, which was, he needs to stay at home. He needs to be at home as long as possible, not understanding the toll that it was also taking on me. And it was really diminishing my ability to show up as a loving wife because I couldn't be a caregiver and a wife. I had to choose one role or the other. And I've had to choose caregiver role. And I was grieving the wife role. Some people weren't understanding that. But what I did was I surrounded myself with the support of women who did get it and a couple men that really helped me understand the importance of this. And so it's it's good to be able to filter out what society says, what other people say, who have not gone through the same situation, who have not been in the arena, right? As Brene Brown talks about. I learned to listen to me and go with my gut and go with what the doctors were sharing and doing the right thing for myself and my husband. And that was finally making this decision to move him into memory care. And it's the making of the decision that is the hard part. Once the decision was made, it brought some relief. And then it also brought, which I'm going through now, these different stages of grief and these different stages of healing. Unwinding, I'm calling it, because... I've been in hypervigilant mode and fight or flight for so long. So I get to honor my process. And I get to remember that forgiving myself is an act of self-love and growth. Right? Just like I said, it allows me to move forward with a lighter heart, greater self-acceptance, and a deeper understanding of me. Self-forgiveness comes from knowing ourselves. It's about seeing where we are feeling guilt and shame and diving into those places to see where we can take responsibility and then setting boundaries around where it's not ours, right? I set a boundary around not listening to what other people were sharing, even though they thought that they were doing a good thing. A lot of people were telling me, you need to feed him this. He needs to have that. He needs to be on this diet and that diet and all these things. 
then they weren't asking me what I had done already. So they come from a good place, yet we get to be discerning for ourselves. I encourage you to seek support from friends that really can understand. Family doesn't always understand because they have their own filters too. They have their own grieving, their own things they're going through. So sometimes that's not a good place to go for compassion. Sometimes it is. When families can come together through like our situation, it's a good thing. Yet we have different individual processes of self-forgiveness. So sometimes family wouldn't be the place to go. But, you know, seeking out a therapist or coach, if you find the process challenging or overwhelming, is so good because we are not meant to go through these things alone. Friends that get it, people that understand, can provide guidance and a safe space for you to explore your emotions and your experiences. And that's what I have found with my, with my girl squad and a couple guys in there. <laughs> And also with a therapist to help me navigate the grieving process and keep myself forefront because I lost myself for a while and it feels good to be back and I'm still in process. So honor yourselves, my friend, and know that I get it, I'm with you, and that I'm encouraging you. Look in that mirror write that letter or letters and really honor yourselves in this process. Until next time, know that I'm holding you in my heart. Take care. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, would you do me a favor and share this episode and then follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss one episode of the Forgive Yourself podcast, where every Friday you will get tips, tools, and stories so that you can turn your pain into peace. Take care.